Yo, 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 you're listening to Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime. I'm Wade. I'm Bree. And we're about, about to talk about some gnarly shit while <laughs> Bree's talking about hey, some gnarly shit. Hey, you hey. did it! Hey. High five. Only episode 23. Is it already episode 23? Uh, it's 22 or 23, yeah. In the 20s, like we are. <sighs> Double digits. Say what? What, what? So yeah, I took it upon myself. I wanted to do a very specific crime all to myself without telling Wade. And I very quickly realized that we're not going to be able to fit all of this into one episode. So it's going to be our first two-parter. Maybe three-parter, I don't know. But our first multi-parter. <laughs> multi-parter. Hey. Do we have any personal stuff to get to beforehand? No. Works work. Work We're is adults. Work. We own a house, so things break and things need to be fixed. And garbage disposal and toilet. Yes, and then <laughs> when fixing toilet, toilet got broken even more. And then tool that fixes toilet got broken too. And then didn't think toilet was going to be fixed. And then all of a sudden, toilet drained and was fixed. And I was like, sweet. And I pulled out the tool that was supposed to fix the toilet. Plunger it was broken. No, it wasn't plunger. Oh. And. Then the piece that broke plugged the toilet. I hate you. <laughs> and then I had to fix that. So anyways, toilet came out, toilet got put back in. And the works. only part of this story I heard was him sticking his head out this morning going, Toilet's fixed! That's all I heard. <laughs> yeah, 20-minute job turned into like an hour. Okay, I'll be honest. Two-hour job. Ew. Yeah. Poop. Yeah. Ew. Yep. All right, anyways. so you want to know what we're going to talk about today? Homeowner's insurance. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) The most boring episode we've done thus far. It's a semi-local case. Semi-local. It happened in the early 2000s when we were kids. Interesting. No ideas, no guesses. The dude's a fuckboy. Oh, Scott Peterson? Yes! Of course you're doing We're doing Scott Peterson. And I may have you second-guessing if he did this whole thing by the end of it. Yeah. And my my whole point, this guy's a piece of shit. I'm not saying that he's not a piece of shit, but he might not be a murderer. He might just be a piece of shit that didn't actually kill his wife. He very well could have killed Lacey, too. But there's just some really weird shit that was not brought up in the media or was, like, exacerbated by the media um, that made him look worse and... Maybe I should just talk about it and get into it. Stop rambling. Well, I mean, yeah, they're going to put blame on him, so they're not going to make him look like a saint and then be like, but he did this. You know what I'm saying? If they're going to create a monster, they're going to create a monster. Oh, and they did. Yeah, exactly. They did. And they had a really good candidate with Scott because, like we said, he's a piece of shit. And the first suspect's always the husband. The husband did it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think he did it. Um, I definitely don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he did it. I think that's more likely than most other um, theories on the case. But all I will say is it is possible that somebody else did it. I think it It is is. possible. I mean, at first, I really thought that somebody else did it. But then as it went on, I just kind of was like, this motherfucker, he, I mean... He's such a bastard. Exactly. The media love to hate him. It makes so much sense that he did this. 
So, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I got most of my information. I did look on Wiki and a few, uh, like, ABC News and Fox News outlets, but I also got some of my information from Crime Junkies. They did an episode, like, at the very beginning when they first started their podcast, and I thought it was very thorough, and the timeline was put together really well, so I... I listen to their podcast in preparation for our podcast. And this case is a pretty well-known one, but for those of you that are unfamiliar, which I'm sure isn't a whole lot of you, I will give like a tiny bit of background because I kind of just jump into it. But Skate and Skate and Lossie, <laughs> Scott and Lacey, lived in Modesto, California. Uh, they're a married couple. Lacey at the time is eight months pregnant with their first child. So that's just kind of like the basic, what was uh, going on then. We're going to start the story, though, a day before Lacey goes missing, which that would be December 23rd, because she went missing on the 24th, 2002. Lacey and Scott seem to have a fairly normal day, and this is all from Scott's mouth, because it's only them, obviously, that were together. Scott gets a haircut at a salon that Lacey's sister works at, and Lacey and Scott offer to have the sister over for dinner that night, but the sister ends up being too busy and declines. So I think they were able to fact check that part of the story with the sister. Um, Scott claims that following the phone call, they put on a movie. Oh, wait. My bad. Skipped a note. Lacey calls her mother around 8.30 um, after they get home from the haircut and the salon and everything and confirms that they have Christmas Eve plans together and Christmas Eve is the following day so they're supposed to have either like an early dinner late lunch kind of like not family meet family, family get thing. together yeah. family family food time yes Lacey and Scott they're still pregnant with their first kids so they don't really have like you know Christmas at home yet so they're going over to spend time with her parents the following day and they were just making plans for that Scott claims that following that phone call, there we go, they put on a movie and both fell asleep. Now, the following account of December 24th, now all of this is coming straight from Scott's mouth. There's no sister to cooperate with it. They were just together in the morning. So his interpretation of what happened was um, the day started at about 7.30 a.m. for Lacey. That's when she woke up. She got up, ate breakfast, and he followed suit, getting up about 30 minutes later between 8 and 8.30 to eat breakfast as well and get himself ready. After they had both eaten and were awake for a while, Lacey starts to tell Scott about her plans for the day. The first thing on Lacey's list to do was walking the dog as well as going to the store for ingredients to a casserole she would be bringing to her mom's that day for Christmas Eve. And I read about it. It was like a French toast baked casserole. That sounds bomb. Dude, it sounded so bomb. French toast baked casserole. Yeah. It just sounds like bread pudding. I think that's basically what it was. Nice. After Lacey was... Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So after Lacey was reported missing, they did indeed find the recipe for that, like, French toast bake thing um, sitting on the kitchen table. So that kind of led to Scott's story saying that, yeah, Lacey was going to go out and get ingredients. That's why the ingredient list was out on the table or whatever. Do you think he did it? Just wait. I'll tell you what I think at the end. Oh. <laughs> 
Scott also claims that Lacey and he were watching Martha Stewart at about 10 a.m. that morning, and her episode was covering lemon meringue cookies. So just remember that. That comes into play later. About 40 minutes later, Lacey is mopping up the floor because the floor was dirty and needed to be cleaned, and Scott is packing up his truck to head to his warehouse where he keeps his boat as he was going to go fishing that day. And he wanted to go golfing, but it was going to be too cold, so he decided to go fishing. Uh, uh, golfing was too cold, so I'm just going to go hop in my boat and drive out into the middle of the fucking lake or the bait delta probably that's what or it was too windy or some shit for golfing because when you hit the golf ball it like skews the golf ball or whatever so he sucks at golf and then he's very privileged is what i was getting at (laughs) the conditions aren't right for me to go to my golf club and go golfing so i'm gonna take my boat out and go boating uh (laughs) he's a dick he's a dick records show scott using his computer in his warehouse from 10:30 a.m. to 10:56 a.m. and that's where he kept his boat. So, he was going to the warehouse cuz that's where the boat was at. His boss either left him a voicemail, yeah, cuz this was before texting, I think. Left him a voicemail on his personal phone which he checked when he was on the way to the warehouse. Got on the computer, emailed his boss what he needed to email his boss. And he also looked up instructions on how to assemble a woodworking tool that he had recently purchased. So that's from 10.30, 10.56, emailing the boss, looking up how to assemble this tool. Um, At this point, there is about 20 minutes not accounted for of Scott's time. Now, if you are believing the prosecution, this is when Scott was wrapping up Lacey's body, hiding it in the boat, getting it ready to dump. If you believe the defense, he was assembling that fucking woodworking tool that he got. Mm -hmm. Because when they went to that warehouse, that tool was assembled. When they, like, looked around. Um, Scott then heads to the marina to launch his boat, and he fishes for about two hours. Which I thought was kind of weird. Why? I don't know. You go through all the trouble of launching your boat out and everything just to fish for two hours. I just felt like that was weird. Yeah. They do it. Our neighbor does it. This one? Yeah, across the street. Oh, I don't know his name. Uh, fuck, I don't know. I was going to say, this one's named Bart. Or wait, Bert? Which one? I don't know. God Bart, damn Bart, it. Bart, Bart, Bart. Bart. We were calling him Bert, and we were wrong for like a year. Poor dude. And then my dad was calling him by that name, and he goes, that's not my name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, better him than me. Mm-hmm. There are witnesses at the marina that saw Scott launch the boat, and they didn't notice anything like him fucking... Being all suspicious and weird. Yeah, or like... Just normal. Or no, like, big thing in a tarp. And he had a 14-foot-long fishing boat. It's tiny. It's little. It's not like he's in a yacht where he could hide the body, like, below deck yeah. or some shit. Where do you think he could fucking hide a body in a 14-foot boat? Yeah, it's not really going to be that easy. Yeah. There's different types of boats, though, but... At the same time, I don't think so. Well, it's just a little... a big-ass live well, and he cut the body up, and then he put the body in the live well. He didn't, though, and we'll get to yeah, that later. Yeah, exactly. I know the case, okay. but I'm just saying that's the only other way I could think of. 
Yeah, and it's a little dingy. It's and just then when you're launching metal. a boat, too, you're on that big-ass steep hill most of the time, so your boat is pitched in an angle. That's weird. If it wasn't tied down, the body potentially could slide down, and there'd be a big ruckus in the boat, and people would see. Shit like that. That would be fucking disgusting. I'm glad that didn't happen. But nobody noticed anything weird. So yeah. I, I think more than likely, if he had a big old body in there, then... Not that Lacey was big, but she was eight months pregnant. You know, it'd be a lot of body to have to maneuver around. So nobody saw anything weird. He comes back. He docks his boat at about 2.15 p.m. And then Scott leaves Lacey the following voicemail. He says that he is leaving the marina, and he will not have enough time to stop and pick something up that he was supposed to for dinner. He calls her beautiful, sweetie, seems completely unbothered in this voicemail. Like, just seems like... Yeah, nonchalant, normal. Yeah, like you yeah, could I not detect anything. He was just like, "Hey, sweetie, I don't think I'm gonna have to, or I don't think I'm gonna have enough time to pick up that thing for Papa. So hopefully, you get this, and you, like just seems totally normal." Um, Scott runs by his warehouse to drop off his boat, and then arrives home between four thirty and four forty-five. He notices Lacey's car in the driveway, but. Lacey is not home. He doesn't see her anywhere in the house. The front door to the home is unlocked, and their dog is in the backyard with the leash still attached to him, just running in circles, Mm -hmm. which I thought that was the, like... Can you imagine coming home and seeing Meraki, like, with her leash on, just running in circles? Yeah, no. Terrifying. He then decides to shower and wash his clothes. He says it was because he was smelly after fishing. Now... When he first rolled up to the house, he assumed that Lacey was picked up by her mother. Yeah. And they went shopping together. Mm-hmm. So that's why he says he doesn't freak out initially, and he took the time to take the shower and whatever. Which, to me, makes sense. But the leash. Well, actually, I've seen you do it. Really? Yeah. Okay. You just leave it on her. Yeah. I could see how he could kind of overlook those things at first. But... If I walked in and saw that, I feel like I would have called your mom first, like just to make sure. I called both. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So he gets in the shower because he smells like fish guts. And Scott then checks the answering machine after he gets out of the shower. He hears his message he left, the hey, sweetie, hey, beautiful one. And then another from his father-in-law asking them to pick up some whipped cream for the pies because they didn't have enough. So instantly he's like, okay. She wasn't here when I left the voicemail. My father-in-law is leaving a voicemail, so obviously she's not with them. What the fuck? Yeah. Or I'm, a, I'm hoping that's what he thought. If he killed her, he knew exactly mm-hmm. what was going on. But So he sees those voicemails, and he became concerned because he had assumed Lacey was with them. So why the fuck would his father-in-law be calling him with her car in the driveway if Lacey wasn't with them? So Scott calls Lacey's parents, and... Obviously, Lacey's not with her parents either, and Lacey's parents come over, and they actually start searching the neighborhood. Um, Because think about it, like, she's eight months pregnant, walking a dog. Exactly. Maybe she fell over. I mean, I'm not eight months pregnant, and I fall over all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. It's true. By 5.57, Lacey's dad, finally, finally, somebody fucking calls 911 to report Lacey missing. But you can't report a missing person in less than 24 hours. That's bullshit. 
if there are weird circumstances surrounding it, you can. And that might be when police actively start looking for the individual, but you can call a missing persons case whenever you want. So if you had a two-year-old child and they wandered off, you don't yeah. think you could call in a missing person report? Well, yes. Circumstances. Exactly, but I just thought, you know, since she's a married woman and I don't know. I think because of the fact that she was pregnant, so pregnant, and, yeah. the dog and the car, and mm-hmm. there were no signs of foul play, but Ow. they did Sorry. the right thing and they called. Yeah. Please, God, if I go missing, don't wait 24 hours. No, what the fuck? Why, you're the one that said it. What do you mean, what the fuck? I mean, obviously, I'm still going to call, but I was just like, I thought you couldn't call until 24 hours. No, you totally can. Okay, so see, I mean, obviously, I'd be fucking screaming at the dispatcher, calling her mom a whore and shit. Oh. Be a fucking call. <laughs> Your mom's a whore. All your fault that my wife is missing. <laughs> Not her You're fault. In on she it. can't route anywhere without Google Maps. <laughs> on the real though, we were in Grass Valley when that power shutoff happened through PG&E, and obviously we had no electricity. But also the towers for the cell phones aren't working very well, so like the maps didn't really work. Homegirl was driving around. This homegirl, I'm pointing to me, was driving around in circles for those two days like crazy. I couldn't find anything. Bad. It was bad. It was bad. At least I wasn't the one bitching and moaning about, I don't have power. I was fine with the no power. I just need even a, an actual map. I just need some kind of navigation. <laughs> Help me get home. All right. So dad calls at 557, around 650. So it took him about an hour. Modesto police finally arrive on the scene. Al Brocchini was the first detective to arrive. And Scott let Al come into the home and take a look. Sans warrant, so, you know, the guy didn't, by the guy, I mean Al Brocchini, didn't have any kind of warrant, and Scott was just like, for sure, come on in. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> Ew. Ow. Right in the microphone? Edit it out. No. <laughs> Why you just said ew? Go. Read. I Proceed. smoke too much, I'm sorry, kids. Oh, speaking of that, smoking. Oh, God. Al... <laughs> Al does say that Scott is acting rather strangely, though, his demeanor. Scott was very concerned about the officers scratching his car doors while they were opening and closing them in the driveway. And he also made sure that everyone in the home was using coasters. Do you think that's weird? Yeah, but yeah, that's pretty weird. I mean, your pregnant wife is missing, and you're worried about officers using cups without coasters underneath them. That caught me as very strange. Um, It's not the shit you'd think he'd be concerned about, you know? You'd think he'd be concerned about getting the officers the information they need. The detectives are already suspicious at this point of Scott, and just from his demeanor alone, they bring him in for an interview between 12 and 1 a.m. that It's the next day, technically, but that day that they call in that she's missing. Scott states that they had no problems in their marriage. Everything was great. Everything was just fine. He loves Lacey, and he had absolutely nothing to do with her disappearance. Something reported on the same day, December 24th, from records is that Scott orders the Playboy channel. I can't find a timestamp for when exactly this happened, but... It is really weird. It did happen after Lacey had gone missing. Your pregnant wife is 
you know, gone somewhere and you order porn on the TV? Okay. That's a little weird. That seems very strange. We don't know how accurate all of this reporting is, though. It's known in this case that things were misreported and then they were never corrected within the media because yeah. it was such a circus. But I believe that he did that. I could see him doing that, at least. I did find multiple reputable media agencies reporting about Scott ordering the Playboy channel on the day of Lacey's appearance, though, so it came up multiple times. Then, five days later, Lacey is still missing. Scott ordered some even more explicit pornography off his television, which, that to me, that is weird. Yeah. The last thing that dude should be thinking about is fucking jacking off right now. Yes, I completely agree. Do you? Yes. Your eyes are barely open. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so we're hitting this pole looking at me like, what? <laughs> yes. Huh? Whatever you say. No. <laughs> no. 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 We're not going down that road. All right. So now it's Christmas Day. Investigators ask Scott to take a polygraph test. He initially agrees, but after Scott's family urges him to wait until he at least has a lawyer to represent him, he backs out of taking the polygraph. This, of course, is like a red flag to the police, but I wouldn't take a fucking polygraph test in that situation. I wouldn't. Would you? Take a polygraph test? Yeah. Yeah, I would, because I didn't kill you. But they're super, they're known for being inaccurate, and I'm a very anxious person. Yeah, but you can't use them in court. Exactly, so then why do it? Well, because you could pass a pass one if you didn't do anything wrong? Not always. Okay. It goes off of, like, heart rate, how much you're sweating, all that stuff, and if you're a really anxious person or if you're really nervous for it, that can completely skew the results. They're wildly inaccurate. Yeah, they are. They can be accurate, but they can also be very inaccurate. Um, on December 26th, the media really gets a hold of this case, like it's reported throughout the nation at this point. The 24-hour news cycle has just become a thing, and reporters need more news than ever to you know, keep that circulation of news coming through every 24 hours. So Lucky Scott ends up with a literal media encampment in his front yard, and they are reporting his every move. Yeah, I remember. Which, that can't be easy for anybody. But if this guy killed Lacey, then he fucking deserves it. But they literally set up camp. Like, anytime he'd open his windows, anytime he'd leave his house, anything. Once this case becomes public, over 20 people gave information to police stating that on the morning of the 24th, which is when they think that she was killed, um, neighbors saw Lacey walking her dog through the neighborhood. I think it was like 24 different witnesses saw her that morning. Yeah. This fucks up the prosecution's theory um, that they went to court with because their assumption is that Scott killed her before then on the 23rd and brought her to the warehouse on the 24th to get her in the boat and then dumped her. So if it is true, which if it was like one or two people, it'd be one thing, but 24 people yeah. reporting that. Yeah. Um, so if that is true about her walking the dog after Scott had left and gone to the warehouse, then that fucks with that theory completely. On the 26th, police also asked Scott for a formal search of the home. 
um, where they will actually like collect evidence, look for fingerprints, you know, do the whole shebang. And what I heard how this went down, like the media reported it a different way, but what basically happened is Scott said, yeah, that's fine with me. We can do the search. Let me consult with my lawyer first and then let me get back to you. And because they were asking him at first. And then I guess the lawyer didn't get back in time and the police officers got impatient, which I can see. And then they just showed up on the door with a warrant. They were like, well, now we're coming in. So that doesn't make him look good either. So they served their warrant. They did a full sweep of the house on the 26th. Now it's the 27th of December. And I mean, the media is completely focused on Scott. Like you remember, they didn't even entertain Mm-hmm. Like, I have seen, I remember seeing that man's face every single day on the fucking news. Um, Scott wants nothing to do with the media, which I see both sides of the fence on that one. Like, if I was missing, do you think you would want to talk to the media to get the word out there? Or do you think you would want to, like, hide? I mean, I'd talk to him once, but not, like, let them follow my every move. That would piss me off. Well, I think that's why they were following his every move. Part he of didn't it. Talk to him at all. He didn't even give one interview yeah. up until this point. So he was just completely avoiding it. Um, the media is still, you know, scrutinizing his every single move that he makes, and the media is portraying him as a point blank guilty man. Like this is the murderer of Lacey, and yeah. he's not arrested yet. Yeah. Um, what was also kind of cool when, so I, Wade and I go to this festival called Strawberry Bluegrass Festival. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Josh. <laughs> um, and it used to be in a different location by Yosemite National Park. And when it was there, there was a guy that ran the head of security and his name was Doug Ridenauer. And I grew up around this guy. Like my dad's been friends with him forever. And all of a sudden, I remember being on the living room floor one day and looking up, and Doug Ride and I were being on the TV talking at a press conference because he was he was a private investigator or no, he it, he was what was he, he? did so, he yeah no he was the private investigator for the DA yeah went on the Scott Peterson trial. yeah so he would like speak on it and every yeah. time he would come up and be like hey that's Doug. I wish I could have interviewed him for this episode. That would have been fucking rad. I think he was actually a detective. I don't remember. He was high up. He was on this case. He was on the TV talking about it. Um, Lacey's family at this point, by the way, is still standing behind Scott 100% and claiming his innocence, which, again, I don't think they right off the bat would assume that their, their son-in-law killed their daughter. So, they're trying to support him. They don't really understand why he's acting the way he is right now, but they're being supportive. Separate from this investigation, around the same time of this investigation, the Peterson's next-door neighbor, but it, I guess it was directly across the street, so the okay, house right yeah. in front, um, they reported a robbery at their home while they were away for Christmas. Have you heard about this? Yeah. Okay, I hadn't heard about this before oh, really? I really looked into this case. Yeah. So, did you hear this on the news, or did you read about this I read somewhere? About it. Okay. See, this was not reported in the news. Yeah. So, 
I'll, I'll get into it. Luckily, another neighbor witnessed the individuals that broke into that home because she was driving by. So you got Scott, Pe- Scott and Lisa Peterson's home directly across the street, this neighbor that's getting robbed, and then a different neighbor that lived on the street drove past and witnessed these people outside of that home that was getting robbed. So she was able to help authorities, and they apprehended the robbers. And when the robbers were taken in for questioning, one of the first things to come out of their mouth is, I had nothing to do with that pregnant girl. Oh, shit. Without being prompted. Yeah. They were just taken in for questioning, and all of a sudden, one of them goes, I had nothing to do with the pregnant girl. Weird. Then, they began to tell the details of the robbery to police. They claimed that they took the safe out of the home, placed it on the front lawn, went back into the home to, like, rummage around to get whatever else they could, and then came back out and took the safe. So remember that. These two cases are going on simultaneously, but they are completely separate. On, like, police are not connecting them in any way whatsoever. Yeah. Now, on December 30th, Modesto PD makes a statement about the robbery case. They said the case has been solved and the culprits were apprehended. The robbery happened on December 26th. It's a lie. Do you see why that wouldn't make sense? Yeah. I mean... If the, if the case was solved and this happened on the 26th, Scott had a literal media base camp on his front lawn 24 hours a day, which yeah. was directly across the street. Exactly. It makes zero sense. It makes zero sense. Yeah. There were so many reported people. the correct date. <laughs> or is there something more to it? I don't know. Um... So someone would have noticed, obviously, a robbery happening, especially if they set the fucking safe on the front lawn while they continued to rob the place. All they had was a street between them. Nobody was that focused on Scott's house that they wouldn't have noticed somebody breaking into the next-door neighbor's house. There has never been a link made by police between these two cases publicly, which... ah, They're treating them as two separate cases, but that makes no sense to me. Yeah. It maybe maybe the robbery happened on the twenty fourth. I don't know. That very day, though, check this out. The very day that police made that announcement that the robbery case was closed, it happened on the twenty sixth. That was not related. A woman named Amber Fry had already phoned the police at this point. That day, she phoned them. So isn't it kind of weird that they just shut and closed that robbery case the day that Amber Fry gives them a call? I thought that. That timing was just weird. And if you know much about this case, you know that Amber is the case. She, she, I mean, she's synonymous with this case. Um, uh, She had just become aware of the media coverage on Scott Peterson, and she wanted to help. So obviously she lives under a goddamn rock because it's like December 30th at this point, and she's been missing (laughs) since the 24th. And she's like, I just read about it. And if you go on YouTube and listen to the phone calls between Amber and Scott, she literally, she does. She talks like this. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) She does. I know. I know. Okay. Um, So she called the cops, said, you know, she had been in a romantic relationship with Scott. She had not known that he was married and she wanted 
to help because she basically, from what she said, had no idea any of this was going on until the 30th when she saw like a grainy picture of him in the newspaper and finally connected the dots in her small brain to figure out that this was the same guy. Um, so the police supplied Amber with an audio recorder. They said that they picked up at Radio Shack, which is like <laughs> the most early 2000s thing ever. And every call between her and Scott from December 30th on was recorded by Amber. So she did assist the police. Now, another thing that the media didn't bring up, they made it seem like Amber and Scott had been in this huge affair for so long. They had met four weeks prior. Um, a co-worker of Amber and Scott's introduced them to each other because he thought Scott was single as well because Scott, being the scumbag he is, was telling his co-worker all about how he was looking for the one and he find, he wanted to find the girl to settle down and marry, even though he already has an eight-month pregnant wife at home, but whatever. So they had met four weeks prior and I think seen each other like four times in total at this point. Yeah. So they, they didn't know each other for years or anything like that. He's still a piece of shit. He still cheated on his wife. But they hadn't known each other extensively. Let's see. So it's important to note that the Peterson home was entirely examined on the 26th where they showed up with the warrant. Um, there were media outlets that claimed that the house smelled like bleach and they found, you know, conspicuous things. The house did not smell like bleach. They did not. The only thing they came across of, or they came across was evidence that the floor had been mopped, which Scott had said Lacey. Yeah. Yeah, was mopping the floor. Um, they found no blood at all or any evidence whatsoever pointing to foul play. Now... I want to get your take on this because I don't think it's a big deal. The only weird thing that resulted from the search, they found a single piece of Lacey's hair in some pliers that were rusted shut in a little shack behind the house. I think that's weird. Do you think that's like a red flag? Was the shop like gardening tools and like something that she would be in there for? No. But it was on her property, and they were rusted shut. Oh, then, no, not really. It's kind of odd that her hair was there. And, I mean, the pliers might not have anything to do with it, but where are the pliers resting? Let me ask you something. How often have you pulled hair, my hair out of places that you don't understand where it came from? All the time, but not in the garage ever. I mean, I go out and walk around the garage, so I could see how it could happen. I, yeah. Yeah, I do too. Kind of weird, but like I don't think that that shows that he used those pliers on. Her. And there was no blood on them. Yes. There was one piece of her hair rusted in between it. Well, it, they might be putting the fact that she was in there, like placing her in the shed, not necessarily oh. saying that the pliers were used. Okay, I guess I understand. Like that. the body, uh, her body was placed in the shed for a little while and then moved from the shed out. Okay, I see. And we found the hair on these pliers, but the pliers are rusted shut, so that's why we were saying that she was there, because her hair was there. So how long would it take for a pair of pliers to rust shut, though? I don't. I just didn't think that that was, like... I think there's explanations that can be made for that. Yeah. Um, let's see. I know this case so well, I was talking ahead, so <laughs> now let me find where I actually am oh, in my geez. notes. Good job. Okay. So, now, we're going to rewind a little bit. So, before Lacey goes missing, 
And before Amber realizes, you know, what's actually going on, Scott tells Amber something really disturbing on a phone call. It was December 9th, so remember Lacey went missing December 24th, so it was way before. This is December 9th. Scott tells Amber that he lied to her because he said he had never been married and that he was married at one point, but he, quote, lost his wife. Okay. Lacey's still completely alive. Life. Yeah. That's weird. It is really weird. He also told her he'll be spending the holidays, which is Christmas and New Year's, in Europe because this is the first Christmas he'll spend without his wife. That shows premeditation to me. Yeah, it does. But also, he's a fucking idiot because everybody watches the news and you're going to see when this girl went missing. So, like, why? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense. I can't think of why he would do that. But the only thing that it might be is because he's going to have that time off and he's going to be around her more so he can't go off and run off with Amber like he could if he was going to work and shit. So he was lying to Amber to get through the holidays. and I think that was his thought process. Yeah, I think probably, you're right. Probably, but at the same time, like, I don't know. You'd have to be a special kind of stupid to say that to Amber and then actually kill your wife and... Two weeks later or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I agree with you, but I, that makes sense. At the same sense. time. That makes sense with him, like, yeah. making a essentially an alibi for himself so he wouldn't yeah. have to be as caught up with her because he's mourning with his wife's family. Um, he said after he gets back from his Europe trip, he will sit down and really explain the whole thing to Amber. Um, but right now he's sad and vulnerable and blah, blah, fucking blah, blah. So on <laughs> what? <laughs> blah, blah, fucking blah. So on actual New Year's Eve, Lacey's family decides to hold a candlelight vigil for her um, because they were still hoping for her and Connor, which was the unborn child's safe return because there was no body that had been found. There was no sign of foul play at the house. So they were, you know, still still hoping they were going to come home. What are you trying to do? Nothing. This motherfucker is still trying to check his cell phone. Who texted me? Who not, up in my DMs? No, I, my screen's cracked. It's been cracked. No, it's a new one. He checking his DMs. <laughs> <laughs> um, Scott is in attendance at this candlelight vigil alongside the family of Lacey. And it's at this vigil that the infamous picture of Scott is snapped. He's holding a candle. Remember when he's like laughing? Yeah. He's like hysterically laughing. Um, did you ever hear the explanation of this? What did you hear? Uh-huh. I want you to say it though, because I already read it off of yours. That's how I heard it. Well, you haven't said much, so you can go ahead and explain mm. the picture if you no, want. No, go for it. <laughs> okay. Again. Um, so he looks like he's full on laughing and like giddy. And Scott's family later on explained that Scott was playing with his niece at the vigil and she was being the cute little girl that she is. And, of course, the media, you know, had caught Scott smiling at her and that's the photo that the media is going to use because it makes him look even more like a monster. Exactly. Right? This photo did not help with Scott's appearance in the media. The photo was posted everywhere on, like, every magazine and newspaper. 
On top of this incident, though, the real kicker later comes out that right before Scott is about to take the stage with Lacey's family and plead to the media for Lacey's safe return, Scott calls Amber. Naturally. Oh, Jesus. And I know you've heard this call before, too. He is still keeping up the facade to Amber that he was in um, Paris now. It was in Europe, and now for actual New Year's, he's in Paris. He lies so effortlessly to her that it's astonishing. And, I mean, he... He was, like, smooth. So smooth. All of them were, though. Yeah. I just, I, I, I'm blown away. Like, I hadn't heard those calls in years. Yeah. And they played snippets of them in that Crime Junkies episode, and he's just, yeah. He has no problem lying for his benefit. Now, Amber, Scott, and the authorities are the only people who are aware of Scott and Amber's relationship at this time. Because they're basically letting Amber record everything, and they're observing. Exactly. Lacey's family is completely unaware and still standing by Scott 100%, which makes me a little bit sick to my stomach when yeah. I think about that. Um, but I will say the cops do do the family a solid a little bit later on. So now it's January 6th. Amber records another conversation that she has with Scott. Scott tells Amber who he is, who's who his wife is, and that she is actually missing. So... I mean, he, he's literally like, I'm so sorry. I've lied to you. Um, my wife, Lacey, she's missing. I assume that you haven't been watching the news because it's been all over the news and is like, quote, unquote, confessing to her. But I don't understand why he would do this. I don't know. Maybe because he knew or had feeling that he was being watched by her. Maybe, but this guy in this case was all the news could talk about. And at this point, I'm puzzled why he would do this. Because why would he assume Amber hadn't figured any of this out yet? And if he did assume that Amber really was that dumb and hadn't figured anything out yet, like, why would he give it up to her then? Yeah. I don't know. But maybe he thought he was being recorded and that would make him look better? Maybe that, yeah. That and that he knew that she was going to find out eventually. But if she hadn't actually found out, you know what I mean? I guess I can see that. I don't know. So during this conversation, Amber actually brings up that Scott had told her on December 9th that he had lost his wife. And she brings it up in a very, like, non-confrontational way. He goes, well, Scott, you told me on the 9th that you had lost your wife. And Scott's response is literally, he goes, well, she's still alive. And Amber goes, what? And he goes, she, she's still alive. And he has absolutely no sensible explanation for her at all whatsoever. He just, like, sidesteps the oh, question. Jesus, yeah. It's so creepy to listen to. Um, he also states that he wants, Scott wants Amber protected from the media, and that that's part of the reason that he lied, was because he wanted to keep her out of the view of the media. So now it's January 14th. And the National Enquirer gets their hand on another infamous picture from this case. It's Amber and Scott at a company Christmas party, and they're about to break the story on the affair. Because like we said, it was only the cops and them that knew about it at this point. So this is where 
the police kind of do a solid. Lacey's family is still unaware of Amber, so the Modesto PD, with the knowledge of this article that's about to break, um, contact Lacey's family, and they let them know of Scott's infidelity, mm -hmm. which I think they yeah. should have done. Yeah. This way, it's the cops letting the family know and not a gossip magazine. Reportedly, the first words out of Lacey's mother's mouth when police told her this is, why did he have to kill her? Which also makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah. Um, this changes everything for Lacey's family. They went from supporting him, thinking he was a grieving husband who still had hope for Lacey and Connor's return, to 100% believing in that moment that Scott was responsible for Lacey and Connor's murder, which I can't fucking blame him. No. I really can't. And I'll go over a couple more paragraphs. And then I think we'll have to leave you guys here because I'm already at 45 minutes. But I'll talk a little bit further than I was going to. So now they 100% believe that Scott's responsible. On January 24th, there's a press conference held on the case where they actually bring Amber out to speak on her relationship with Scott. So she comes up in front of all these people and says, you know, this is when I met Scott. I had no idea he was married, yada, yada. After this, Scott actually calls Amber which was obviously recorded, and tells her he's proud of her. Nice. Which is fucking bananas. This dude's a fucking psychopath. He's a fucking idiot, I think. That's I think him. he thinks he's, like, playing this whole thing his way, yeah. and he's just being a fucking idiot. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of leave you on that cliffhanger. Um, <laughs> we'll do the second part of the Scott Peterson trial next week. But before we let you go, we want to do our little baby spiel. Email us. Send us stories, and we'll say them on air. They can be anonymous. Send us any story. I don't give a fuck what kind of story it is. Just email us or hit us up on Facebook. Send us a goddamn email. Do something. Do something Communicate. crazy. Yeah. Communicate with us, please. Communicate is how you build a solid relationship, and we just want a solid relationship with you guys. Exactly. That's it. That's it. Booze, BS, and true crime at gmail.com. We also have Facebook and Instagram, Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime on Facebook and Instagram. Please give us recommendations on Facebook. They literally make my entire week when I get one. Please like our page. Please follow us on both Instagram and Facebook. Interact with us. Make comments. Like. Share, friend, do the thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Do something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Get crazy. Get crazy. All right. Bye, people. Bye.